Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. You know, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we're all pretty good at being fake from time to time, aren't we? Especially on Sundays. You know, we come in here and we put on our Sunday best and we, you know, put a front on our face and we don't want to let people in really to let them know maybe some of the insecurities that we're struggling with. Some of the sin that maybe is weighing heavy on us, broken relationships that we're dealing with, heartache and stress and life in general, bills and responsibilities and issues at work and all of this stuff, it just weighs heavily. We look at the news and it's inflation and, and we have all of these world conflicts happening and people getting sick and sometimes in the midst of it all, we can take our eyes off of really what matters in this life. And what I want you to hear today is that God in his great love for you looked down from his glory in heaven and saw the wretched mess that you are this morning, but at the same time saw in you someone that was worth chasing after. Amen. Isn't that amazing? Amen. That you were worth pursuing. The Bible actually tells us that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Amen. He didn't die for you after you cleaned up your life, after you had everything together. Right after you came out of your addiction or out of your lust or out of that adulterous relationship or whatever it might be. No, God died for you. Jesus died for you while you were still in your sin. While you were still staring in the mirror, wondering if there was a way out. Jesus was already making the way out. The scripture says this. It says that we should have the mind of Christ who though he was in glory with God, didn't consider that glory something to be grasped or held onto too tightly, but he actually emptied himself of that glory so that he could pursue you to this earth to chase you to a cross, to die upon that cross so that you could be free from that insecurity, that shame, that sin, and that guilt this morning. That's how loved you are. He chased you that far. Yeah, you can give... The Lord, some love for that. And on the heels of what we've been experiencing here as a church lately and recently, you know, we had an amazing celebration last week. Sometimes we get to the point to where we forget that God chased us to that degree and that that kind of a chasing should require from us, demands from us, some sort of pursuit in return. That we, in return, should be chasing after that great God. And I don't know how your walk looks this morning. I don't know what kind of things have taken you off course and have distracted you from where you should be, but today's the day you can make that right. Yes, you can make that right today. And so what we're going to look at this morning is God's call on our lives. We all have a call to be chasing, pursuing, running after God. You're to run after God this morning. Are you really, truly running after the God who ran after you? Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you hopeless? Have you forgotten that he's a God who's worth pursuing? Look at what it says here in Philippians chapter 3. And in context, the apostle Paul has just written this incredible 
paragraph about all of his accolades in his old life, the things that he had been pursuing in the Hebrew faith, that he was a Jew of Jews, that he was born in the tribe of Benjamin, that he was circumcised the eighth day, that, that he was just, he kept the law blameless, according to the law blameless. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was the top notch in his faith, in his profession. When it came to the, the Jewish faith, he was the end of the line. Not many more holy or righteous than he by the eyes in the eyes of man. But what he says here is what we all need to take note of, especially we're considering the fact that we just celebrated 25 years. And the tendency sometimes is to take your foot off the gas. And you feel like, you know what, I've reached my goal, right? We've done a good job. We've been faithful for 25 years. And now I'm just going to kind of Hit cruise control. And we're just going to see where this takes us. This is no time, you understand, this is no time to hit cruise control. We need to pursue God harder than ever before today. So look at what Paul says. In light of his past, in light of all that he accomplished, in light of those things, look at what it says, verse 12, Philippians chapter 3. Not that I've already obtained this or that I'm already perfect. Even Paul says, I know I'm not perfect he says this, but I press on to make it my own, brother, uh, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. How many of you are so, are so blessed this morning that you belong to Jesus, that he has made you his own? I, I like to use this as an object lesson often, right? But you know when you were in grade school and it came time to choose teams to play basketball or football or dodgeball or whatever the case might be, there was a schoolyard choosing, right? A schoolyard draft. And, and the, the most talented and athletic kids were always chosen first. And I always felt terrible for those kids that were chosen last. I normally was right in the middle, right? But to think that when all of the kids were lined up, that God chose you. You are his own. You belong to him. Right? So listen to what this says again. It says, not that I'm already obtained this or that I'm already perfect, but I press on. The word press on, it means to pursue. It means to push forward and to push ahead. He is worth pushing ahead for. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. This is my focus. This is what I'm concentrating on. Of all of the things that could demand my affection and my attention in this life, there is one thing that is really worthwhile in this life. Look at what Paul says it is. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Amen. How many of you this morning have been sucked into the trap of looking behind your shoulder, looking over your shoulder to what used to be? Because Paul, he just says, look, I was somebody, but I forget that life. I've forgotten that. That's behind me now, and I'm pressing forward. I'm striving forward. I'm pushing on. I'm straining forward to what lies ahead. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal, the goal for the prize of the upward call in God in Christ Jesus. There's one thing that I am working for, and that is to collapse into the arms of Jesus who is waiting for me at the end of my race. This is what he says. I press forward, forgetting what lies behind. Now, here's the, the truth. Our call is to run towards God. And it's clear in this text the direction that we're running. Did you catch it there? He says, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. You realize that if you're looking over your shoulder in a race, you're going to lose the race. 
I remember once when I was racing someone on bikes out in my street, and I was tearing them apart. I was so far ahead of them. I thought for sure I was going to win, and I was looking back, and I was mocking how far back they were. And you know what I did? I ran right into the back of a parked car. Right? And I, I had to whimper and walk off because I looked over my back when I was trying to run the race. You can't win the race looking over your shoulder. You have to forget what lies behind. The word forget, it means to look past, to look beyond. It really literally means to put in your rearview mirror, to forget about that. Right? Yes, we had a great 25 years, but if we live in the blessings of the last 25 years, we're not going to receive what God has for us today. And this is what my conviction is, is I want next week to always be the best service we've ever had, to experience the glory and the presence of the Lord like never before. I want that next week. You know, last week I wanted it this week, and this week I want it next week. Right? Because there's a problem if we gather together and we get together and we talk about remember all that God did in those past years. Is it great to celebrate? Yes. But if we're living in those moments, there's something inherently wrong with our faith. Right? We can't come together and we can't say, remember how the altars were full? Why? Because it's admitting that the altars are no longer full. Remember how we used to do such great outreach? Why do we want to remember? No, look at what God is doing today and rejoice in what God is doing today. If we're constantly looking over our shoulders, we're neglecting what God has for us right here, right now. And I want God's presence today. And so I celebrate what God did yesterday, yes, but I'm moving forward, I'm moving on, I'm pressing into the presence of the Lord. I have a race to run and I want to run that race well and I can't do it looking over my shoulder. Right? So here we are. We're gathered here, right? And what about your own personal life? What about the fact that sometimes you think, you know what, I really used to read my Bible. It used to feel intimate when I went into the presence of the Lord. I used to feel like I heard the voice of God speaking to me in prayer life. I used to have such a powerful fasting regimen. I, I used to really be able to give with joy in my heart. I used to serve in children's ministry or serve at KOM or be a part of outreach teams. There's a problem if you look at your spiritual walk and you say, I used to, dot, dot, dot. Why? Because God has something for you today. Because God wants to use you today because your story isn't over yet. Because you're still running this race. The direction of your run has to be forward and not backwards. Do you see this? God is on the move today. And if you're constantly living in the faithfulness of the past, you're missing out on the faithfulness of the present. So let's run towards God. The duration. If you're taking notes, your second point there I want you to write down is the duration of the run. And some of you have really given up your run because you're weary and you've tired out. And you started out your run really fast and really strong and really hard. But somewhere along the way, you ran out of breath. And you have that pain in your side. How many of you have ever tried to run before? You get that pain in your side? Every time I try to run, I get that pain in my side. It doesn't matter how much I try to train, that pain in my side constantly comes back. And spiritually speaking, the same thing happens in our lives. We run out of breath and we get tired and there's a pain in our side. Why? Because we forget that this is a race that is a long race. This is a marathon. This isn't a sprint. 
You can't go to the next water station and stop the race at the next water station to catch your breath. No, you have to constantly be running this race with the Lord. Why? Because he's worth chasing after. Right? And if you get to the point in your spiritual walk where you feel like, you know what, I've been doing pretty well. I think I'm just going to take a little bit of a break here. It's time to coast. There's something wrong. You've forgotten that God is a God worth chasing after. So the duration, look at this, what this text says, Hebrews chapter 12. It'll be on your screen. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Some versions say the author and the finisher of our faith. That we run our race looking to Jesus, but we have to run that race with endurance. In the Greek, the word endurance, it means to persist in the face of difficulty or trial or hardship or pain. That you push through that pain in your side. You say, I'm not going to allow this to keep me from running to God because he's worth chasing after. Right? And so there are reasons, if you're taking notes here, I want you to write this down. There are reasons that we begin to run from God rather than run to God. And as we look at these reasons, I want you to be honest with yourself. Take a real spiritual inventory this morning of where you're at with God. And I need you to answer for yourself, if you fall into any one of these five categories, there's maybe something that is happening in your spiritual walk that needs to be addressed. And so first thing I want you to see here, under the reasons why we, instead of running towards God, instead of staying on point and on path, we get distracted, we look over our shoulders, and we fall off course. Look at the first reason why we do this, the first reason why we are maybe off that beaten path, why we're not running the race as we should is because we've been deceived somewhere along the line. Remember the story of Adam and Eve, right? When the serpent came and tempted them in the garden, they knew what truth was. God had been walking with them in the cool of the day. They had fellowship with God like you and I can understand. They had been able to behold his glory. He came and he actually physically, tangibly visited with them in the Garden of Eden. And he gave them permission to do whatever they wanted in that garden. You can have dominion over this garden. They named, which, which speaks of dominion, they named all of the creatures. Said, this is all yours. You can rule over all of this. Just one thing that I ask is don't touch the tree that is in the midst of the garden because if you touch it, you're going to die. It'll separate you from my grace, from my glory, and from my goodness. And God didn't want that separation to happen. And what does Satan do? What does the serpent do? The serpent comes and says, hey, you know, are you sure? Did God really say that you shouldn't touch that tree because if you touch it, you'll die? Or was God trying to keep some sort of hidden truth from you? Was God trying to keep you from understanding good and evil like he understands good and evil? Don't you see, Satan says, if you just touch that tree, you can become like God. You'll have some sort of divine enlightenment, and then you won't need God anymore. Did you hear that? If you take and if you eat of that tree, you won't need God anymore. Some of you have stopped running your race because you've fallen into that deception. And you've been listening to the lies of the enemy. says you don't really need God anymore. Right? And we get to the point to where we clean up our lives. And we're not the same terrible sinner that we used to be. 
And so we feel like, you know what, I, I kind of have my life together. I'm going to try to do this on my own. I don't really need God anymore like I did when I was really messed up. I'm doing a pretty good job on my own now. So I'm going to take the reins back. I'm going to take the steering wheel back. And I'm going to figure this out on my own. How many of you understand that that leads to destruction? That that leads to more heartache? And some of you are not running the race you should be because you've been deceived by the enemy. You've bought the lie. You know, there's only one way for you to recognize a lie here this morning, and that's to know the truth. This is why we're so passionate about trying to get you in life groups, because we want you to be surrounded with a group of people that you can fellowship with that will lead you into truth. This is why we offer so many classes, discipleship classes, and we have, you know, foundations classes, we have marriage classes, finance classes, parenting, all of these different classes we offer. Why? Because we want you to know truth so that when the enemy tries to distract you from the race, you can identify that and say, not today, Satan. That's a lie. I know the truth, and I'm going to keep chasing after you. First reason why we stop running the race and we run away from God rather than to God is because we get deceived. Second reason why is because we get distracted. In the book of Genesis, you can read a story about a man by the name of Lot. Lot was Abraham's nephew. And it came a point in time where Abraham and Lot were both so wealthy and had so much livestock and they had so many sheep and they had so many herds and so many servants that the land couldn't support the both of them. So Abraham comes to Lot and he says to Lot, look, the land just can't support us both. The Lord has blessed us. We have so much wealth. We are at the point in our lives where we have to part ways. We're going to have to go in separate directions. And so he, Abraham says to Lot, Lot, look at the land. Take a scout of the land. Look around the land. Just see what it has to offer you. And I'm going to let you choose. You choose where you'd like to go. And this is what the scripture says. I want you to see a progression that takes place in the life of Lot here. In Genesis, you can read this, this text, right? You can see this like Genesis chapter 15 through 20 in that area. Look at what happens. It says, Lot first, after Abraham says this, Lot lifted his eyes towards Sodom. We can see this in Genesis chapter 13. He lifts his eyes Toward Sodom, that's the first sign. Something's wrong. Something's being distracted. Someone's being distracted, right? The eyes are off of the promised land. The eyes are off of Canaan. The eyes are off of the place where God is calling his people. And all of a sudden, the world starts to look kind of attractive to you. Are you in that place? Because that's just the beginning stages of falling off course and losing your race. Why? Because you've become distracted by what the world is dangling in your eyes. When we had little kids, when our kids were little in our home, we used to go in and we used to sing this song to them every night. It was like a lullaby that we'd sing. And it's not like Jesus loves me lullaby. A man named Charlie Hall sings this song. And I don't even remember the name of the song. But the chorus went like this. It went, rich or poor. God, I want you more than anything that glitters in this world. Be my all, my all-consuming fire. You can have all my hands can hold, my heart, mind, strength, and soul. Be my all, my all-consuming fire. We have all we need in you, right? Whatever the world might glitter in the eyes of you this morning is not worth the giving up and surrendering your pursuit of God. It's only going to disappoint you. Understand, don't you? So the first stage in this distraction is Lot, his eyes were lifted up and he began to look towards Sodom and Sodom was attractive to him. It was a big city. There were lots of people. There was a lot of commotion. 
It seemed to him like this would be a good place to settle. Second thing Lot does is now the scripture says a few verses later that after his eyes were lifted toward Sodom that he pitches his tent with its front door facing toward Sodom. You see his heart gradually being pulled away. But you know what? That wasn't enough. Sodom was ever before him constantly calling his name because he was allowing himself to be tempted uh, to be tempted with this distraction and so no longer were his eyes just fixed toward Sodom no longer was he just pitching his tent toward Sodom all of a sudden you know what happens Lot in chapter 14 becomes a resident of Sodom And the scripture says that he goes and he dwells in Sodom. This is a wicked place. This is no place for one of God's people. This is a place that was overrun with sensuality and gluttony and lust and wickedness and homosexuality. It was a terrible place for one of God's people to dwell. But his heart was being captivated by the things of the world. So much so that by the time you read about Lot in chapter 19 of Genesis. Now Lot has become a full-fledged member of this city. He was a resident of the city and he's sitting at the city gate, which means he's one of the leaders of this city. Why? Why did he stop pursuing God? Why did he stop going in the direction of the land of promise? Because his heart became distracted. And finally we read in Genesis chapter 19 that when the angels of the Lord come and they declare that Sodom is going to be judged because of their wickedness, the scripture says that Lot lingered in Sodom. He just couldn't bring himself to leave this city that had captivated his heart. He was distracted from the things of the Lord because the things of the world were more desirable to him. Again, I ask you this question. Is this maybe why your spiritual walk with Christ, your run, is not going so well? You know, maybe you're deceived and you think you can do it on your own and you don't need God. Or maybe the things of the world have captivated your attention and have led you astray and you're not running the race like you should be running the race today. So some people, they're deceived. Some people are distracted. Maybe you fall into this next category where you've become discouraged. You've become discouraged. For this, we're going to look at the story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah has this amazing spiritual victory. He gains victory over the prophets of Baal. And and for years, months, it hasn't rained. Why? Because Elijah withheld the rain. God withheld the rain from this region, right? And so Elijah goes before the prophets of Baal. And he says, you want it to rain I know I can make it rain. Why don't we do this? Let's see who's really following after God. Let's see whose God is stronger. You build an altar and you sacrifice a bull on the altar and you call out to your God to come and to consume that sacrifice and I'll do the same and we'll see whose God answers with fire. And so the 450 prophets of Baal, they build a little altar and they slay their animal and they lay it out and they're running about crying about. The scripture says they're cutting themselves. They're bleeding. They're trying to wake their God, trying to get his attention. Elijah says, maybe your God's sleeping, or maybe he's gone on a trip. Maybe you need to yell a little louder, right? And about evening time, Elijah says, okay, it's time. And he repairs the altar of the Lord that had been broken down because the people's hearts had wandered from God. And he slays the sacrifice and he lays it down there on the altar. And he says, I want you to fill four jars filled with water and I want you to pour it on my altar. And they pour out that water on the altar. And he says, that's not enough, do it again. So here's four more jars being poured out on that altar. 
And he says, you know what, I'm not sure that God will get the glory just yet. I want you to pour four more jars out on that altar. So this altar is drenched, it's muddy with water. And remember, fire needs to come and consume that. And so this is what Elijah says. He says this, he says, so that these people who are listening, so that they would know that you are the Lord, our God, will you consume my offering and fire falls from heaven and licks up all the water and consumes the, the offering. And everyone sees that it's Elijah's God who answers prayer. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are gonna love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.